Listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Thanks to Concordia University Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live uncommon. We have some really great stories from around the globe to share with you today. How do we get these stories? Well, we have a great team in LCMS Communications who gather these stories to share them with you. Joining us today, we have Megan Mertz, managing editor for Lutherans Engage for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Megan, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. It is for our listeners not familiar with Lutherans Engage. It's a periodical. It comes out quarterly, right? That's correct. And so they can find it. Where can they find Lutherans Engage if they haven't received a copy of it before? You can read all of our content online at engage.lcms.org. Engage.lcms.org. That's pretty easy. easy. Enough. Easy enough. Now, there are some really amazing images in Lutherans Engage, and we have to credit many of them to Eric Lunsford, managing photojournalist for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Eric, welcome back to the Coffee Hour. Thank you. Always a joy to be with you all. It's always fun to have a photojournalist on because we don't get to show any pictures because <laughs> we're on the air. So We'll be you, talking through pictures right. and just describing what they look like. Thank you. I'm good with that. Yeah, <laughs> great idea. So there are several articles in this fall issue of Lutherans Engage the World, and they really do take us around the world. One of them starts here mostly stateside as we talk about the formation of pastors and particularly that, that one sweet spot in formation <laughs> of pastors called Vicarage. And so you wrote a wonderful article article, Immerse Without Drowning. <laughs> where did you, first of all, where did you come up with that title? I, I'm going to guess there's like some sort of baptismal reference in there somewhere. Because there's a picture of a font right in the on the cover of the story. Yeah. And I think that's a really great photograph to have alongside. You see at the placement service, the, 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 the new two-week-place vicars are dipping their fingers into the baptismal font. And and that's actually that Immerse Without Drowning came from a, a really great pastor, Pastor Blumenberg in Seymour, Indiana. And he talked about, he said, we immerse them, we're talking about the vicars here, in the experience of what it means to be a pastor and to get to know your people. And and what he's talking about, it's it's that you know they're there to, to walk alongside, to teach, to mentor, in the ministry, prepare them for the pastoral office so that when they go out, they have that really great training, but they also have that great mentoring from their vicar supervisor that they continue to lean on long years afterward. Mm-hmm. So you didn't get to like travel to any exotic place other than what Clayton, Missouri. <laughs> well, this <laughs> very was... exotic, but <laughs> but who did you get to meet as you were talking through this or researching for this story? Yeah, great question. We visited a number of congregations in Seymour, Indiana, also in Norman, Oklahoma, and in uh, Palmer, Kansas. And what's great about this is these were seeing men in their vicarage, but also seeing men who served their vicarage and were now either the supervisor, mm. supervising the vicar, or in the office as like, say, for example, a sole pastor, Pastor Hayes in Palmer, Kansas, mm-hmm. with his flock, speaking about what he took away as a vicar and his learning, and now in the office, in his in his flock, called to his flock. So that was a joy to see these men in different places in their lives. And what a joy, because you saw our newly uh, elected district president of the Oklahoma district, that's President Dave Nairns, who is a vicar supervisor to the vicar who is featured in the story. His name is Mark Gashler from Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne. We also saw Pastor Blomenberg in Seymour, Indiana, with vicar Nick Wagon Connect. And you see these really great experiences these men go through, you know, uh, 
Nick was assisting in a funeral in Seymour, Indiana. Mark was visiting a shut-in member in the congregation, and then seeing then Pastor Hayes later, now as as called an ordained servant of the Lord, serving in Palmer, seeing him care for his flock daily. And then also seeing at the, the, the placement service at the in, at Concordia Seminary St. Louis, and just seeing these wonderful words expressed by Dr. Glenn Nielsen and President Lucas Wordford, what a joy it is to see all this experience and, and this learning and training to become a pastor. I'm a bit envious of you because we get to do some cool stuff here at KFUO <laughs> in the coffee hour. We get to tell and share many stories of what's going on around the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and mm-hmm. our partner churches as well. But you actually get to go there and meet them in person and take photos to capture that experience, to to literally see what's happening. What did and, and that means you get to learn a lot, too. Like, I love what we get to learn every day mm-hmm. by telling these stories. What did you learn about Vicarage and its 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 role in pastoral formation while visiting all these congregations around the Midwest? And that's a great question. To speak on visiting, I love to visit. I like to be with God's people, both here at KFUO with you guys today, <laughs> and also out in congregations, both near and far, and inclusive as we talk about a little bit later today, with our church partners around the world. Visiting is so great because you're with your brothers and sisters in Christ, and that is so meaningful. And, and all these stories are meaningful. What I took away is just the importance of vicarage, how important this is, how we need to raise up pastors. These are all like a said, very meaningful stories. We have a wonderful initiative by Dr. Jim Bonick for Set Apart to Serve, and to be able to strengthen and really talk about how we can help raise pastors for the future generation, just how um, how much gravity this has toward our future to, to care for Christ's flock. Mm-hmm. To take away that is just is priceless. That's the things I learn, and to share that that joy in Christ with others in visiting, that's just indescribably wonderful. Mm-hmm. You've mentioned meeting vicars, but also meeting uh, pastors who used to be vicars who now supervise those vicars. What is that? What did you learn about or what did you see in that mentoring relationship that makes a vicarage such a unique experience in pastoral formation? Yeah, thanks, Sarah. You see a lot of care and compassion and you really see saying, this is what you, how you serve and and how you care for your flock and how you uh, distribute God's gifts of grace. And that's just amazing. When you see this relationship develop together, and although I just really get a glimpse in the lives of these these men just to spend a day or two together. I mean, the vicarage is a year long. It's very intensive here. A lot of learning going on, obviously. So even just this little bit of a glimpse to see that relationship as we walk alongside together, how priceless that is. Mm-hmm. What can a vicar learn in that year of vicarage <laughs> There's so much that one needs to know in order to be a pastor, but what can a vicar learn in that that you're a vicarage that is so valuable? I think Pastor Blumenberg really spoke on this really well. He said that the, you know the overall scope is that when they, the vicars, get finished with their vicarage, they will at least have touched, and I'm, I'm saying a direct quote here, on the major things that they will deal with as a pastor. But of course, as as Pastor Blumenberg mentioned, there are still always surprises. <laughs> and that was a really great insight from a pastor serving as a supervisor and as a senior pastor of a congregation in Indiana. Hmm. 
did just a, a great job of helping us grasp a little bit more about this pastoral formation. And you you bring that story, that thread of pastoral formation into another story. And we're going to get to that in just a moment. want to head to, to Africa. <laughs> uh, we're going to head to Kenya. And Megan has a wonderful story of hope for the future, uh, talking about the collaboration between the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and the Evangelical Lutheran Church in Kenya, particularly Project 24. Uh, tell us about your experience, Megan, with Project 24 and and, and visiting uh, a Project 24 site, what you learned about it. I know it's probably been a while since you visited for that, but where that story began for you and your, your first experience with Project 24. Um, I would say it started probably in 2015, which is when the Synod launched Christ Care for Children Kenya, the sponsorship program for the children who live at the Project 24 sites. So Eric and I have both traveled to some of the Project 24 sites in Kenya. And now, you know, a few years later, we're seeing some of the students who are starting to graduate and go on to, you know, have jobs and go to college. So this this story is about a young man named Eric Davis Kuoba, who came into the Project 24 site when he was in primary school. He came from a kind of a difficult family situation where his father died. His mother wasn't able to make enough money to both provide for the family. He has, I think, four siblings and to pay the school fees that are necessary for children to attend school in Kenya. And as the youngest child, you know, he was at risk of not being able to return to school. So his family belonged to a Lutheran church And the church leaders identified him to come to the Project 24 site and live there. They pay the school fees. They teach the children about Jesus. They have choir practice. They go to catechism classes. Pastors visit them regularly, and they attend church nearby. So now, seven years later, he's graduated from secondary school, and he's headed to college where he's interested in being a teacher. Wow. That's fantastic. <laughs> I, what is your what is your reaction? You get to research such cool stories. What is what does that feel like for you to be able to to know kind of know these people that that you get to write these stories about? I mean, it's amazing to get to connect with the synod's missionaries who mm-hmm. live all over the globe to learn about their work and to see how people are being impacted by these projects that we support. Mm-hmm. What uh, tell us about the people you get to collaborate with? You, you mentioned the the missionaries. Tell us about the people you get to collaborate with to gather these stories. Who who was in the field to help you gather the story? On this story, I worked with missionary Britt Odemba, who lives in Kenya, and uh, she kind of coordinates with Project Twenty Four and oversees the Kenyan side of the Christ Care for Children Kenya sponsorship program. So she helps donors in the U.S. who sponsor a child to, you know, communicate with their child, to receive updates, just to get to know them a little bit. Mm. Well, we have more to learn about the Hope for the Future and Project 24, and uh, we'll continue that conversation with Megan in just a moment as we take a look at the fall issue of Lutherans Engage the World. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth.
At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Today we're talking with our friends from LCMS Communications and Lutherans Engage, learning more about stories happening all around the globe. Right now we're taking a look at what's happening in the Evangelical Lutheran excuse me, Evangelical Lutheran Church in Kenya, talking with Megan Mertz, the managing editor for Lutherans Engage. We're talking about Project 24 and the things that you've gotten to see uh, throughout your time, just sharing these stories and the people that you get to work with. You mentioned one of the missionaries. Are there other people that, that you get to connect with to gather these stories to share with us? Well, in the past, we've met some of the Kenyan staff who work at the sites, some of the pastors and deaconesses who care for the children. And each site kind of has its own self-sustaining projects like growing crops or tending to livestock. So they have people on site who kind of work with the children and help them learn those skills Mm -hmm. so they can be better equipped for adulthood. Mm -hmm. What are some things you've learned about the relationship between the LCMS and the Evangelical Lutheran Church in Kenya just through working working on these stories and, and meeting these people, talking with the missionaries? What have you learned about that partnership over the years? I would say we have a shared commitment to caring for, you know, vulnerable people for these children who otherwise would just be faced with very difficult situations. And so I know when I've met the pastors and the deaconesses in the Evangelical Lutheran Church in Kenya, you know, I see that same passion for teaching about Jesus and for caring for people. What else would you like us to know about Project 24 and the partnership between the Evangelical Lutheran Church in Kenya and the LCMS? I would say just that it's a, it's a great project, a great way to reach out to children. I think there's about 200 children that live in, across eight different Project 24 sites. Once they graduate from primary school, they often attend a residential secondary school, so they will leave the Project 24 site, but they would still be in contact with their site and sponsored by them throughout that process. And then, you know, hopefully they would choose what career they wanted to do or they would attend college. This article in particular in this issue focuses on kind of a new program called the Pre-College Lutheran Academy where after the children have graduated from secondary school, they come back again and take kind of like a summer course that refreshes them on the Bible, the small catechism, helps them brush up those study skills for when they go to college after that. Very good. If you want to see some great photos from the, the to accompany this story, you need to check it out. Engage.lcms.org. See some great stories or great photos in that story. And speaking of photos and stories, we're going to come back to Eric. You traveled a little bit this past year, this summer, and visited our brothers and sisters in Brazil. Tell us a little bit more about the your visit to the Evangelical Lutheran Church of Brazil and the convention you attended there. What was it? Well, first First of all, tell us about making it to a convention in the IELB as 
an English speaker. Do you know Portuguese? I really had to try to crash course and learn it. And I'm very thankful for our brothers and sisters who shepherded me along with some couple words to learn and to get by, which is often the case for many different languages that I poorly try to work on. <laughs> what was it like attending a, a convention? Because you've been to several conventions here for the LCMS. What was it like attending theirs? Well, this is the great thing about exploring, and we were talking about this before, is that you kind of bring things with fresh eyes and you say, "This is a, what does this look like? And while I attended as part of a, a delegation from the LCMS, Pastor Kevin Robson and Chaplain Jonathan Shaw that I joined alongside for the, the Yelps convention, you know, what does that look like? And in the back of my mind while I was there, I had also been working on that vicarage story as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm curious to know. Let's talk to the, the pastors and the leadership there and, and other pastors in the convention. That's, of course, where they're gathering. And uh, how has God worked through people to bring them to the ministry? And I just love what uh, uh, it was shared with me in these interviews. Pastor Schrader talks about who's in the story here. He's part of the Yelm's leadership. And he says, you know, he loved that when he was a little boy and his pastors visited his grandmother who was bedridden, he saw the care and compassion and he said he wanted, he knew he wanted to be a pastor. And so that kind of guiding thought in my mind, I kind of kind of kept asking that question. And, you know, I was talking with President Schuler over an interview. He and he was speaking about how what a joy it is to have this priceless theology, how thankful he was in the ministry, and how that as his dear father departed from this life, he had said, you know, his father said, let me go live with Jesus here. And he talks about passing along that wonderful theology to sons and grandsons. And so just as, oh, that just really gets me goosebumps <laughs> thinking about that. And, and so that's why I kind of think about these stories coming together. You know, we look about that in and while we have these different languages, we walk together in that one confession of, of faith in Christ, and that's what's such a joy. And and certainly, I think there's a lot of, Sarah, to talk about what what, what, what looked to be the same. I mean, certainly, as we look at conventions, you have the delegates there, and you have people come together, you have bylaws, discussions, mm-hmm. you have fellowship together, you know, certainly long days of, mm-hmm. of working on that. But And then to kind of end that with worship there, and, and just see, you know, what a joy that is. And even though it may be difficult for me as an English speaker, you know, you this is often the case. You can kind of find yourself in the liturgy. You know where that's going to be. You, you can know that confession absolution or, and, and you know, when you have the, the readings there and, and what a joy it is. And so what a, a great memorable experience and visit to be, to be with our fellow brothers. And, uh, and, and that's my kind of takeaway from there is that it may look the same in a convention, and, uh, but that to hear these stories behind it, such a treasure. Speaking of the stories behind it, you mentioned the passing from one generation to the next or sharing the faith from one generation to the next, uh, that the young boy, as a young boy, seeing the pastors caring for his grandmother and how that made such a difference for them, for him particularly. But let's go back further in history. You share a little bit of the history of the Evangelical Lutheran Church Brazil and how it came to be. There's there's a, a really cool history there as well. Um passing from one generation to the next or from one cultural context to the next, right? This, the Evangelical Lutheran Church of Brazil started thanks to missionaries, right? 
That's correct. And I, what I look at as a writer, or, or in addition to, to, to making pictures, I kind of like to work myself backwards, right? And I feel like you could easily start and say, well, okay, let's look about how, when did when were missionaries sent? But I, I kind of looked at it through the eyes of Pastor Da Costa. I met him. He's currently a pastor down in, in, in Sao Paulo. And he's been a pastor for 27 years in, in the IDLB. You know, he preaches, teaches, he gives God's flocks his gifts. He thanks the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod for sending missionaries to his country in 1900, right? And so what that did is um, thanks be to God, that led to the eventual formation of the Elba as a church body. And thanks to this work, he was able to hear about Christ from a pastor who was evangelizing in his indigenous tribe decades later. Hmm. And so I kind of look back that generationally, I thought, what a, you can see that that history kind of come together. And now how you have pastors who are, you know, teaching and preaching and giving God's gifts to the flock and just remarkable. Mm-hmm. What does that say about the need and the the importance of missionaries coming from here to Brazil in, in what, 1900, but also the missionaries that are now coming from Brazil to the rest of the world? Indeed, we have a wonderful Alliance Missionary Project where you do see some of the Brazilian pastors heading to some of the countries who are doing the work. In, and I believe, and Megan, I think you can probably speak on this really well, I think it was not Uganda among places mm-hmm. where you have Alliance missionaries working. And in the sea, these men come back into the convention and uh, to serve alongside them just, and, and take away their experiences and help uh, preach and teach and, and work in the congregations there. You get to meet all these cool people and hear their <laughs> stories to to put them together, share the story with us. What were and you were at a convention? What were some of the outcomes of the convention? Not granted, I'm sure you might have missed some of them <laughs> with the language differences. But what were some of the the notable or remarkable things that came out of that convention while you were there? Well, at this convention, the Yelp and the LCMS signed two important documents. So the first was signed by our Lutheran Church Missouri Center Chief Mission Officer, Pastor Kevin Robson, and also the Yelp President, Pastor Schuler, President Schuler. And what that did is it established kind of a working criteria for the Yelp's Alliance missionaries who are serving alongside the LCMS. And the second one, if I'm trying to, boy, you know, the thing is a lot of these travels kind of, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's such a world to go. And the other one was signed between President Schuler and that was Reverend Dr. Jonathan Shaw, who's director of LCMS Church Relations. And what that did is it kind of set forth a, a detailed protocol for the exchange of pastors mm-hmm. and seminary professors between the church bodies. And, and Shaw spoke on kind of that significance. And he talks about just being humbly with thanks to God for Christ's sake. And then you see that when when the when when and, and when coming together, the exchange of gifts, it just really reflects that kind of partnership, the LCMS and and the warmth and joy that is there in that confession. So that is just remarkable to see that kind of history and and to see that ongoing still. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. These are such cool stories. And Megan, I want to give you, before we run out of time, if people don't know about this magazine and now they do, what is this? What is the general theme for these these magazines that come out quarterly so people can really get their hands on these amazing stories? Lutherans Engage the World basically tells the story of how the church is at work in the world. We talk to missionaries, we meet church leaders from other countries, and we talk about mercy and witness and how people's lives are being impacted with the gospel. 
Fantastic stories. I love that we have stories here in the States and around the world really living up to the name Lutherans Engage <laughs> the World. Again, how to get the how to get either a print copy or digital. You can go to engage.lcms.org. All of our content is available online and also on our website is information about how to subscribe to the print magazine. Very good. Thank you so much to both of you, Megan Mertz and Eric Lunsford, for being our guests on the Coffee Hour today and just sharing these wonderful stories with us. You are most welcome. Thank you, as always. You've been listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.